Hey, so good to be with you. Uh, I'm excited to pick up a study in the Gospel of Mark. So I want you to grab your Bibles. Hopefully you have one or it's close or it's there on the coffee table or whatever. Or you got a device because I really want you to follow along in the dialogue, in the dialogue exchange that's going to be happening in the Gospel of Mark. We're picking up our study. I hope you remember that we were in the Gospel of Mark. Please tell me you remember. <laughs> it was back in the summer into the fall. We, our series was called Face to Face with Jesus, and we were following Jesus through the Gospel of Mark, and we stopped at the end of chapter 9. So we want to pick up at this point in chapter 10 and move forward in the Gospel of Mark. So I'm going to read chapter 10, starting in verse 32, and here's where we pick it up with Jesus. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve, the twelve disciples, taking the twelve again, Jesus began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. See, we are going up to Jerusalem. Jesus says. So we're calling this series Ascent. We're going to follow Jesus as he goes up to Jerusalem. Now, when you first read that, you might think, well, he's heading north. No, that's not it. When it says he's going up to Jerusalem, it literally means he was send, ascending up the mountain because the city of Jerusalem sits on top of a mountain that's part of a mountain range that runs right down like a spine, right down the middle of Israel. So starting today and leading up to Easter, we're going to follow Jesus as he ascends up to Jerusalem and to the cross. See, Jesus said, look, we're going up to Jerusalem and here's what's going to happen. He says, we're going up and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes that are going to condemn him to death, deliver him over to the Gentiles. I mean, in specific terms, they're going to mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And so we're going to travel with Jesus. And we're going to ascend with him to the cross. Now, this morning, we kind of launched this whole idea of ascent in the life of here at Grace, all right? Um, and the Sunday morning preaching series is going to be just a part of a bigger picture that we really want you to engage in as a church. And here's what I mean. Um, new this year, um, we're going to offer, uh, much like at Christmas time, you know, we do Advent and say, oh yeah, Christmas, Advent, we take 25 days to the birth of Christ, there's devotional readings, and we kind of lead our way up to that. That's right. So here's what we want to do with Ascent. We're going to take the next 25 days and walk to the cross, which will be on Good Friday. So this is what we want you to do and be a part of with us. Now to kick this off tonight, here at 
grace um, between 4 and 6.30, we're going to have some things set up for you to come and kind of walk through a journey. We want you to take a, a self-guided tour. We're going to have four stations set up here at Grace, and you come at your own pace walking through these things. There'll be instructions. We'll give you a journal. You'll come by yourself. You can come with a friend. You can come with your family. But what we're going to do is set up four different stations and have it be an interactive journey for you through the Scriptures as we follow Jesus through His ascent to the cross. So you'll go to one station and, it, and you'll sit and you'll read through the Scriptures and pray and say, God, what is it that you want to tell me as I walk with you toward the cross. So come tonight. Please come. At some point in and out. Now from 5 to 5.30 tonight for that half hour, we'll all gather in the worship center and have a collective worship service that focuses on the cross and points us toward Good Friday. And then when you come tonight, you'll leave and we'll give you a 25-day devotional that you can read just like Christmas time at Advent, but with a 25-day devotional that'll lead you up to the cross. Tyler and Josh Wilson have done such a great job at putting this together, and I really can't encourage you enough to engage with this. I think it'll be a powerful thing for us in the coming days here at Grace. All right, so today, let, let's begin. Let's get into the book of Mark and begin this ascent with Jesus. All right, now, a variety of people are going to come to Jesus because they want something. And you say, well, what's new? When you read through the Gospels and you see the crowds coming to Jesus and they came to Him, they flocked to Him, they wanted to be around Him. Guess what? Everybody wanted something from Jesus. They came and they wanted to be healed. They wanted to be fed. They wanted to be released from the oppression and injustices of Rome. Some people, and they want to be taught, hey, teach us about this and what about that. And, and some people, some people came to Jesus because they were looking for forgiveness of sins. Now, as all these people coming and they wanted something from Jesus, Jesus, on the other hand, was always giving. He was always giving. He was always healing. He was always teaching and providing and serving and feeding and saving. Back John 3.16 famously says, God so loved the world that He gave his one and only son. And so Jesus shows up and he invites people to come. Come to me, he kept telling the crowds. Come to me. And so they came to him in droves. They came to him in droves. And so what we're going to see in chapter 10 is a variety of people coming to Jesus and they all wanted something. And that's okay. In fact, on a couple of occasions, a couple of the different occasions, Jesus is even going to say this. He's going to say, what do you want me to do for you? See, he wants them to come. Bring your wanting to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? And we're going to notice then, well, that Jesus doesn't always give us what we want. And... I want you to watch how different people respond to that. And we're going to learn a lot, all right? Um, here's what else I want you to do. Please do this. As we walk through these episodes here in Mark chapter 10, I want you to ask yourself, 
What do you want from Jesus? Jesus says, come. What do you want from Jesus? All right, let's take a look. Three episodes beginning in chapter 10. And what do these people want from Jesus? And Jesus is going to come back with a question, what do you want from me? First of all, he's going to say, do you want me to tell you what you want to hear? Or do you want me to give you truth for life? Watch how this plays out. Chapter 10, verse 1. So he left there and he went to the region beyond Judea, beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him. Again, right? The crowds are always coming. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And the Pharisees, religious leaders, came up in order to test him and said, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And he answered to them, Well, what does Moses command you? And they said, Well, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And so in other words, they were saying, Look, as long as it's legal, it's okay. We went through the legal paperwork. I can get rid of my wife anytime I want to, as long as it's legal. And Jesus says, mm, I don't think so. He said, and Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Jesus goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So, they are no longer two, but one flesh. And therefore, what God has joined together, this is marriage, let no man separate. Well, this is like, well, this had people's heads spinning. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this. Hey, Jesus, talk about this marriage divorce thing here. And Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Okay, so what do you want from Jesus? Do you want Jesus to tell you what you want to hear? <laughs> or do you want truth for life? Some people, and, and there are folks oftentimes who will say, well, Okay, I want to know from Jesus. I want to know what about, you know, what does Jesus have to say about marriage and divorce? That's a common question today. What about marriage? What about gay marriage? What about what about all these things? What does Jesus have to say about marriage and divorce? Well, here it is. Jesus says, from the beginning, one man, one woman, and God joins them together. And don't divorce unless Jesus says that you can. Otherwise, you're headed into adultery. There it is. <laughs> do you, you want Jesus to tell you what you want to hear, or do you want truth for life? Next section in verse 13. And they were bringing children that they might touch Jesus, that that, that Jesus might touch them and, hey, bring the kids, give them a hug, bless them, right? And the disciples rebuked them. Get these kids out of here. Get, the kids were bothersome. The kids were like, get the kids out of here. They bug me, right? 
where's the child care at? <laughs> but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms, these children, and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Now, this was a completely different view of children, all right? If you want to know, hey, Jesus, what's your view on children? This was not the cultural norm by any stretch. They didn't value children in this culture. In fact, one writer, one historian, writing on the times these days, listen to what he said, children occupied a precarious position in the Hellenistic society of the first century. <laughs> That's an understatement, right? Abortion was a given. You understand, we didn't invent this. It's been around. In the Roman culture of these days, abortion was a given. In fact, there was something else that was commonplace, and that's infanticide. Um, there's written documents of a guy writing to his wife, hey, you gave birth to the child. If it was a male, we keep it. If it's a female, just get rid of it. And you go, whoa, what is the deal here? Roman law, in fact, gave the father absolute power over his family, which extended to life and death. And as late as A.D. 60, a son was put to death by the simple order of his father. So when Jesus comes along, he's got a completely different view of children. So what do you think of, Jesus, what do you think of abortion? What do you think of children? What do you think of all this? You want Jesus to tell you what you want to hear, or do you want him to give you truth for life? Next guy, third episode, um, verse 17, he was setting out on his journey. Jesus is walking along. He's headed up toward Jerusalem, and a man ran up to him. He's described in the other Gospels as being young and rich and influential. He's a rich, young ruler. And he knelt before Jesus and he asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I do to, to get into heaven? And Jesus says, Well, why do you call me good? Good teacher, why do, you, why do you call me? Let's talk about what it means to be good, right? Why do you call me good? No one's good except God. And he goes, All right, if you're interested in being good, here's the deal. He says, You know the commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't defraud, honor your father and mother, Jesus says to this young guy. And here's what he says. He said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. It's like, really? I've been a really good boy my whole life. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, well, you lack one thing then. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And then you come and you follow me. Well, disheartened by the saying, it says, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Okay, this guy came to Jesus, and Jesus ruined his day. Jesus says to this guy, what do you want from me? 
Do you want me to tell you what you want to hear? In other words, Jesus is telling this guy, look, do you want me just to tell you, you know what? You're a good person and I love you and you're going to heaven. This is wonderful. Is that what you want me to tell you? Or do you want me to give you truth for life? And here's the truth, Jesus says, I do love you. Notice this, it's a powerful thing in verse 25. Jesus looked at him and loved him. He did love him, and this was truth for life for this young man. He said to him, listen, here's the deal. you got to go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then you're going to have treasure in heaven, and you come follow me. In other words, Jesus says, look, there's, there's an idol in your life. There's another God in your life, and it's all your stuff. It's all your possessions, and you've got to repent from that. You've got to turn from that sin and that idolatry and, and say, I want Jesus as my treasure in my life. I can't be good enough. I'm not a good enough person. I gotta turn from my sin and idolatry. And Jesus is the most precious possession and treasure of my life. Jesus says, that's what'll give you life. Well, this answer that Jesus gave to this rich guy shocked the people that were listening, including Jesus' own disciples. Listen to what happens. Uh, verse 23, And Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, How difficult it'll be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed. They're going, Whoa, Jesus. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to, to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. They're laughing. A camel going through the eye of it, that's impossible. Jesus says, that's right. And the disciples were exceedingly astonished. And they said, well, then who can be saved? Who can be forgiven and go to heaven? And Jesus looked at them and said, look, with man, it's impossible. In other words, if you think you can be good enough and do all these nice things, and Jesus is going to just love us all, we all get to heaven. He goes, you know, it's impossible because we're never good enough. For all things, but all things are possible with God. When God comes and forgives and saves, it's a whole new story. Well, Peter began to say, Peter going, Peter's processing all this. He says, well, look, Jesus, we've left everything. We've turned from our sin. We've left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, there's no one who's left. Peter, you, you leave your house, your brothers or sisters, your mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel. I'm all in with Jesus. He's my most precious possession. He says, you do that in this life, and, and you'll receive a hundredfold now in this life. Houses, brothers, sisters, and mothers, children, and lands with persecutions. You will have a richness on this earth that you don't know that material possessions can't give you. And, he says, in the age to come, you'll have eternal Life. This is what the rich guy said. What do I do to get eternal life? And Jesus told him how. You know, the common theology of the day and why it rattled them was this. You just be good and God will bless you. You be a good person and you work hard and with integrity and God will bless you. And so blessing of prosperity, see, was a sign that you really were a good person. That's how we thought. That's how they thought. And that's kind of how we thought, right? It's a very common kind of prosperity gospel kind of thing that God wants to make you rich. And so you follow Jesus and be a good person and you're going to be rich. And then that's an indicator that you're a good person and 
and God is blessing you, and Jesus says, I'm sorry, do you want to know the truth? Jesus says, here's the truth. Most rich people end up in hell. That's what Jesus said. And the reason is because typically rich people can't let go of their stuff. Money is such a powerful influence. It's, it's a drug, man. The greed of it and what money can give you with power and what you enjoy in the possessions and the pleasure that it provides. The whole possessions and money thing can be an idol that very few rich people can let go of. So, lots of people came to Jesus. And Jesus says, what, what do you want? What do you want? Do you want me to tell you what you want to hear? Or do you want me to give you truth for life? All right, we're still ascending. Are you with us? Or are you kind of going like disciples? I don't know if I want to keep going. Hey, there's more, all right? Second thing, we're going to, we're going to watch Jesus encounter another group of people. And he's going to say, you know, what do you want from Jesus? Are you asking that question of yourself? What do you want from Jesus? Secondly, He's going to ask the question, do you want me to grant you position and power or do you want me to show you the path to true greatness? Watch this in verse 35. This time, the people coming to Jesus and wanting something from him were two of his own disciples, James and John. Verse 35, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. What do you want from Jesus? Here's what we want. And Jesus says to them, he says, what do you want me to do for you? And here's what they said. They said, grant us to sit at your right hand and one on your left in your glory. See, they believed Jesus was the Messiah. He was going to usher in the kingdom and rule the world. And James and John that we want positions of power in all that thing. And Jesus says to them, you don't know what you're asking. He says, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we're able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you guys, you too, you will drink that. And with the baptism with which I'm baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left hand is not mine to grant but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. See, what Jesus was referring to this, when he talks about the cup and his baptism, he's referring to his suffering, the suffering he was going to endure. See, Jesus says, you're asking for positions of comfort and power and glory. What you're asking for really is positions of suffering. And he's saying, are you able to accept that? And they said, yeah, we, do, we are. And little do they know, Jesus says, well, you will, you will drink suffering in your life. And they did. Do you know that James, James, who came to Jesus, was the first disciple to be martyred? You can read about it early on in the book of Acts. His brother John was the last disciple to die. He lived a long life, and it was a long life of persecution. And he died in exile on the island of Patmos. And so Jesus goes on in the conversation and the other disciples heard that James and John were kind of jockeying for position and wanting to get the power and they were ticked. Verse 
41. And when the ten, the other ten disciples, heard it, they began, they were indignant with James and John. So Jesus has got this war going on amongst the disciples. They were indignant with James and John. And so Jesus calls them all together. Okay, boys, sit down. We're going to have a talk. He called them to him and he said, You guys know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But that's not how it's going to be with us. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So what Jesus, you know, these two disciples came to Jesus and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And Jesus says to them, look, do you want me to grant you position and power? Or do you want me to show you the path to true greatness? What do you want from Jesus? The last episode, the last one here is um, Jesus is going to ask the question as they come wanting from him. Uh, do you want me to give you good health or open your eyes spiritually? Open your spiritual eyes. Watch this really cool engagement here. Verse 46, they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, there they are following Jesus through the town of Jericho, city of Jericho, a great crowd. Bartimaeus was a guy's name. A blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This guy heard about Jesus, recognized him, and he must have believed he was a Messiah but he calls him the, because he calls him the son of David. And he starts hollering out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him. Hey, shut up, buddy. Telling him to be silent. But when he heard that, he just amped it up. And he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Hey, call this guy over here. And they called the blind man and said to him, Hey, take heart. Get up. He's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, here's the question again, what do you want me to do for you? Everybody wanted something from Jesus. And Jesus says to this guy, okay, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And watch this, and immediately he recovered his sight, and he followed Jesus on the way. There's a very powerful thing happening here. Most people, when they came to Jesus, they wanted to be healed. Now, most people that came to Jesus wanted to be healed. They were just looking for some physical relief and healing. And when Jesus gave it to them, quite frankly, most of the people just went on their merry way. And they said, this is great. Jesus healed me. Life is good. They were not interested in dealing with their spiritual lives and a spiritual healing. They weren't interested in turning from their sin and following Jesus. They were just going to Jesus because they wanted to get healed. They got healed. Thank you very much. I give you all the praise. And they went on their very way. Bartimaeus was different. 
Jesus saw a guy here with Bartimaeus who wanted not only physical healing, yes, he wanted that restored, but Bartimaeus also wanted, more importantly, to be made well spiritually. Bartimaeus wanted his spiritual eyes to be opened as well as his physical eyes. That's why it's an interesting exchange here in verse 51 and 52. Jesus says, what do you want from me? And he says, I want to see. And Jesus says, your faith has made you well. And that description and the fact that Bartimaeus gets up and follows Jesus was an indicator that he not only had physical healing, but Bartimaeus experienced spiritual healing and his spiritual eyes were opened. Do you want that? I can't help but think of the verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen to what it says. If our gospel, the good news about Jesus, is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In this case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So what do you want from Jesus? He says, come to me with all of your physical suffering and you want healing. Jesus says, come and ask me for it. But what if he doesn't give it to you? What if he doesn't give you spiritual healing? Here's the question. Do you want him to make you well spiritually? Do you want a healing at a more important and more profound level? Do you want to see? Do you want Jesus to open your spiritual eyes? If you do, he guarantees he will give you that to any repentant, humble heart that comes to him. So, interesting, isn't it? What do you want from Jesus? Um, a guy named Adam McHugh um, says this. This, this quote uh, took me back a little bit. Here's what he says. We must put away our convenient notions of God. The one who always agrees with us, the one who always favors our nation or political agenda, the one who feeds us candy and never vegetables. <laughs> Please, can I ask you something? What do you want from Jesus? Do you want him just to tell you what you want to hear about your life? Or do you want truth for life? Do you want, do you want him to grant you, I want to be famous and in control and in charge and grant me positions of power? Or do you want him to show you the path to true greatness? Do you come to him with your physical struggles and, and pain? And it's good to do that, but... What do you really want from Jesus? Do you want him to make you well spiritually and open up your eyes to how he's using this and what he could do to save you eternally? What we see is Jesus loves us too much to, to always give us what we want because he wants to give us something better. He wants to give us himself. He wants to give us truth for life. He wants to give us the path to true greatness and he wants to open up our spiritual eyes and make us well. So what do you want? What do you want from Jesus? We'd love to talk to you about these things. If you're 
see in the chat on the side, there's a button for prayer. We got people right now that you click that, there'll be somebody that can pray with you. Um, you can text us, text the word Jesus to the number here on the screen. And um, we'd love to sit down with you. You can make a contact with somebody. Somebody will connect with you. And we can help talk through these things. It's a very important question. What do you want from Jesus? Let me pray. Jesus, uh, thank you that you openly invite us to come. You came to give yourself to us. And so as we come to you, may we trust you and know that you truly do love us and surrender ourselves to your truth about life and to your view of greatness. And God, you've got to make us well spiritually. Thank you for what you give and what you provide. In Jesus' name, amen.